0: In the name of the one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. On Wednesday night, I began texting some of my clergy friends who live in southwest Florida. Mostly, my texts were filled with prayers and concern, though I did inquire as to whether or not my island friends were evacuating. One of them was not. She lives on Marco Island, which experienced storm surges on places of up to 12 feet. She was okay, water reached the steps of her house but did not get in. Even her church fared well with only the parking lot flooding. Other churches and clergy were not quite so lucky. As I scrolled through Facebook feed after Ian left Florida, I saw pictures and read reports of homes and churches that range from minor damage to total devastation. That is not surprising. The clergy are just as vulnerable to the devastation of a near Cap 5 hurricane as any other person, and churches are just as susceptible to wind and water damage as any other structure. What might be surprising is how many clergy and diocesan representatives throughout Florida were prioritizing the cleanup of their churches over their homes in order to be prepared for today, for Sunday worship. Those clergy seem to know that come Sunday, people will need a place to go, a place to offer thanksgiving for the lives that were spared and the hope that has been strengthened and a place to grieve the losses that they have experienced. For the clergy, the church is a greater priority than their homes, not simply so they might celebrate the Eucharist on Sunday or bless animals, but it is because for those clergy, it is the place where their own strength, faith is strengthened and encouraged. The disciples asked Jesus to increase our faith, For some reason, they have not taken personal responsibility in the growth and nurture of their own faith experience, leaving it up to Jesus as if they were simply energy vampires and could drain him as the source of all their powered needs. Jesus responds with a cryptic reply that seems somewhat problematic, especially in terms of inherited language with negative connotations like that of master and slave. But if we can release the impropriety of that language in our modern context for the moment, we might find that we get a glimpse of a deeper and possibly even more difficult teaching. Jesus' reply includes an almost parabolic quality in which he talks about the expectations and responsibilities of the master-slave relationship. He defines the slave as the one who would work hard not only out in the field but also internally in the house. His example is meant to juxtapose the work of the disciples with that of servanthood. They will increase their faith by working out in the kingdom, feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, caring for the sick, visiting the prisoner. And they will also increase their faith by doing the interior work needed to feed their own souls, saying their prayers, worshiping together, establishing a disciplined spiritual life. My friends on the southwest coast of Florida will find their faith increased in this time, not because they will have prepared the church and celebrated the sacraments, But because in so doing, they have found themselves keenly focused on what is good and true and beautiful in a world that has experienced chaos, destruction, and devastation. Hurricane Ian washed away the distractions of the world and allowed them and us to center on our restored faith. That is often our response in times of devastation. When the apocalyptic moment approaches, we grow akin to foxhole Christians praying fervently for our salvation, or that at least the cup of suffering might be removed from us. For some reason, we have been led to believe that the gospel is one of sunshine, smiles, and prosperity. But that is not the gospel. The gospel is the one in which we find hope in the midst of suffering, peace in the midst of the storm, joy, even in times of sorrow. God does not simply bless us in our times of success. He blesses us in our times of darkness. One need only to consider the Beatitudes to know that. Blessed are the poor, the hungry, those who weep, Jesus does not say blessed are the poor when they are rich or the hungry when they eat or those who weep when they are happy again. His blessing is upon them in the moment of their condition. When you're down on your luck and you're at your wit's end, when life is on the rocks and you're grasping at straws, God is blessing you. And it takes a faithful person to find the blessing in those times of hardship and suffering. The disciples asked Jesus to increase our faith, and Jesus reminds them that only they can do that. The work of growing in faith is vital to the survival of our spirits in times of tribulation. As people of God, we work on our faith, growing our hearts through service and worship in peaceful times that we might find peace in times of strife. Go out, tend the sheep, then return to the master's house and serve his table. Cultivate the outer world of your soul and then the inner being. That is how we increase our faith. My friends throughout the devastated regions of Florida know this pretty well right now. And they are preparing a space so that those who are out in the fields working to clean up after this destruction and devastation might return home to the Lord this day to be strengthened, to be renewed as they face this long road to recovery and wholeness. Amen.